0: you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on 103.5 FM. Your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone. We're going to jump right in because every moment is precious in life and in life, life and in lifestyle. Uh, really, a pleasure and opportunity this morning on the Tom Ficklin Show. Where it's Monday, November 13th, and wherever you are on the planet, wishing you uh, peace and and health. Uh, but the topic is sleep physical activity diet and glucose variability among middle-aged uh, to older adults with type 2 diabetes uh sleep physical activity diet and glucose variability among middle-aged to older adults with type 2 diabetes that's certainly a mouthful and we're going to talk about what you put in your mouth and and that's that's very important uh but also how you uh uh, what do you do before you kind of digest things because the, the body mind and I, I dare say the spirit is all all connected. We have uh, Dr. Sunyan Nam with us uh, to help us clarify what does sleep physical activity, diet and glucose variability mean among middle-aged uh, older adults with type 2 diabetes and not only what does it mean but 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 some of the uh, the, the, the research the, the new scientific discoveries, the clinical trials, just the the pursuit of knowledge in, in terms of us living, more health more healthily on the planet and what you can do uh, to live more healthily on the planet. I'm joined by uh, Reverend Dr. Leroy O. Perry, pastor of St. Stephen's AME Zion Church and cultural ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program, and Reverend Elvin Clayton is with us, pastor of Walters Memorial AME Zion Church and cultural ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program. Dr. Nam is a, uh, a nationally certified nurse practitioner, She currently serves as an associate professor at the Yale School of Nursing, which she was just kind enough to share with me, has just celebrated its 100th anniversary, the oldest nursing school in the United States. I mean, that's just something to celebrate just in in itself. Dr. Nam's focus has been on working with adults of diverse uh, races and ethnicities, and her passion lies in understanding and, and providing the multiple barriers, uh, uh, proving, I should say, the multiple barriers to accessing and navigating healthcare systems while managing chronic disease. Basically, she wants people to stay healthy. She's researching that. She's focused on that. And she's expert at that. She has led a a number of projects uh, focused on control and prevention of type 2 diabetes. And we're going to unpack some of these terms, type 1, type 2, et cetera, Uh, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and, and obesity. On this show, Doctor, and with uh, Thanksgiving coming up, everybody, I mean, let's really, the, the holidays, we know people put on pounds during this holiday season, so let's really pay attention and kind of listen to her, ex- her expertise and what she's going to share with us. Uh, today, she's going to share with us information about her current research that the that looks at how lifestyle behavior, there's things you can do, there's things within your control, you can take ownership of your health, uh, but how lifestyle behavior impacts your blood your blood glucose levels in adults with type two diabetes. Welcome everybody.
1: Welcome Tom. Thank you.
0: Dr. Nam, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to see you at least virtually. And uh, I love your background, as I mentioned. So, so share with us a little bit, uh, you know, there's a number of issues and statistics about about diabetes. And we'll get into, that, get into that in a second, but, you know, thank you for joining us. But let's discuss your study of type two diabetes and why so many people, unfortunately, Suffer from this from this disease uh, in our communities, and why it's even important to understand uh, and to educate folks on the the I, when I say the effects, the, the, the negative impact of this disease. Uh, uh, give us a little crash course. We're not we're not, we're not your nursery school students, and I'm not sure we'll pass it through your test. But but you know if we have to do remedial training, that's fine. But, but talk to us a little bit about uh about your study and pertaining to type two diabetes.
2: Sure. Um, again, I'm very glad to be here today, and I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this important topic. Um, the diabetes is a chronic medical condition that occurs uh, when body is unable to pro- properly regulate blood sugar level. Um, there are two main types of type di- di- diabetes, and you no, know, there are also uh, generate gestational diabetes that women develop diabetes during the pregnancy but um, let's talk about type 1 and type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. and many people unfortunately they don't know whether they have diabetes and they live with diabetes for many many years and when they uh, find out the diagnosis they already develop some uh, complications so Mm -hmm. i would like to um, highlight the common symptoms of diabetes and if you develop one of these symptoms and you need to see uh, the medical professional and so if you ever feel like extreme thirsty and a thirst, thirst or hunger or frequent urination and unexplained weight loss and fatigue and you no know, very bloody vision and you no know, somehow you're wound is not healing well, and sometimes the tingling and numbness of the extremities Mm. uh, can be uh, common symptoms. And uh, people ask about the risk factor. So uh, I can talk about more in type 1 and type 2 diabetes, but in general, type 2 diabetes uh, risk factor can be the family history of diabetes, uh, Mm. the first degree, whether your parents have it or Mm siblings have it. And obesity and sedentary lifestyle and uh, risk increases with age and uh, some uh, racial ethnic group, unfortunately, have a more um, predisposed to type two diabetes, because of all the structural factor, I can talk more about this later. (laughs) Uh, So it is important to note that diabetes, particularly for type two diabetes, is often preventable. Or manageable with a uh, lifestyle changes and uh, regular monitoring of blood sugar level, and working with healthcare professionals are essential for effective treatment. And,
0: and you referenced a little bit, Doc, Dr. Norman, I guess I wanted you to emphasize again the, the the difference between type one and type two. I know when I go into the doctor's office and even reading my my chart, I still kind of block out. Is, is that really me? Did I really have that symptom? Uh, do I really have arthritis kind of thing? Not to get too personal. But uh, uh, the, the difference between type one and type two diabetes is what again?
2: Sure, certainly. Uh, let's delve that deeper into the distinction between type one and type two diabetes. Um, the type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. So uh, the immune system mistakenly attack and destroy the, the- insulin-producing beta cells in the pancreas. So unfortunately, the exact cause is not well understood. Mm. uh, Some genetic and environmental factor are believed to uh, play a role. Uh, But type 2 diabetes is primarily associated with insulin resistance, Mm. uh, which is the body cells do not respond too effectively to insulin. So in other words, when cell in your muscle fat and liver don't respond well to insulin. So they cannot easily take up glucose from your blood. So when you get the blood test, you have the high blood sugar level in your blood. So as a result, your pancreas make more insulin to help glucose enter your cell. So um, the lifestyle and environmental factor, uh, such as uh, obesity, physical activity, and Mm -hmm. uh, built environment or social environment can contribute to the development of a type 2 diabetes. So um, the onset of a type 1 diabetes, as as you may know, um, this is more like a genetic um, uh, cause. So that typically develop early in life, often during um, childhood or adolescence. Mm And it has a relatively very short onset, Um, while the type 2 diabetes is more commonly diagnosed in uh, adults. But although the prevalence of children and adolescents is increasing because Mm. of the rising obesity rate. So you can imagine type 1 diabetes treatment is the life uh, require lifelong insulin therapy. Um, people with a type 1 diabetes, they may use insulin injections or insulin mm-hmm. pump. Mm. But, uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, depending on how severe the condition is. Uh, initially uh, we managed through the lifestyle modification, adopting healthy diet engaging in uh, regular physical activity and maintaining a healthy diet. And then uh, medication can be prescribed. In some cases, insulin treatment is required. So um, for the prevention, um, the type two diabetes, um, many cases, it can be preventable or Mm -hmm. delayed with lifestyle changes, um, which is no healthy diet and physically active and managing body weight. Uh, but prevention of a type one diabetes is not. Um, is there's no known way to prevent type one mm. diabetes, unfortunately. And then, um, then the, again, the risk factor can be um, of the type two diabetes is all like unhealthy lifestyle um, and some stress.
0: Excellent. And, just, and again, we hear this phrase: take ownership of your health. And we actually repeated often on on this show and it's really important for folks to be informed and to take take ownership of the things we can do. Uh, R- Reverend Clayton and Reverend uh, Perry, just before I bring you bring you guys in I just want to ask uh, Dr. Nam if she could because we often hear about uh, you know racial disparities in type 2 di- diabetes and I wondered if Dr. Nam, if you might want to share a comment a comment in that regard.
2: Absolutely. So health disparity in type 2 diabetes within racial and ethnic um, underserved communities are a significant concern. because uh, the population face uh, that population face higher rates of uh, mobility and mortality associated with the condition. Mm. So racial ethnic minority group, uh, particularly African-American, Hispanic, Latino-American, uh, Native American, and some Asian-American subgroups uh, tend to have a higher rate of type 2 diabetes compared to non-Hispanic whites, and also the diabetes-related complications mm. uh, such as cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, and neuropathy are uh, more prevalent in underserved population. Um, For example, in 2018, African-American adults were 60% more likely than non-Hispanic white adults to be diagnosed with a type 2 diabetes. Did did you say 60%? Sixty percent. Sixty percent. and um, in nineteen, in two thousand nineteen, uh, non-Hispanic blacks are two point five times more likely to be hospitalized with diabetes and associated with a long-term complication than non-Hispanic whites. Uh, also, the uh, death rate was a lot higher in um, the ethnic minority group than uh, non-Hispanic white group. So um, there are several factors um, we believe that contribute to these disparities. So underserved community may experience delay in the diagnosis of diabetes uh, due to uh, limited access to healthcare services. And you can imagine that this delay can result, result in progression of the disease and the development of a complication by the time the individual receive a diagnosis. And other things, it's like a social uh, determinant of health. Now, socioeconomic status, uh, now which include educational gap and intergenerational wealth gap, play a mm-hmm. crucial role in diabetes health disparity. Um, underserved community uh, may face higher rates of poverty and limited access to uh, nutritious food and uh, fewer opportunity for physical activity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and this factor uh contribute higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes it's all about life aside, right and um there is also um the cultural language barriers in certain mm. uh immigrant population and uh, because they uh, that affect communication between healthcare provider and patient and there is also misunderstanding and lack of a cultural competency of healthcare providers and uh, limited health literacy can hinder the effective diabetes management and uh, exacerbate this uh, disparity. So um, there are many ways uh, No, the thing is there are many ways we can address this diabetes health disparity in underserved community. It is a multi multi-faceted uh, approach. So you can imagine we can include. You can increase the improved uh, the access to affordable and the culturally competent healthcare services. Mm -hmm. And also um, providing targeted education on diabetes prevention and management and lifestyle modification to tailor to the uh, cultural and linguistic needs of the community um, can be effective. And again, addressing underlying social determinants of health. Uh, poverty and housing instability and food insecurity is essential for uh, preventing and managing diabetes in underserved population. So uh, by addressing this root cause of implementing comprehensive strategies, I think we can work toward uh, reducing the diabetes-related mobility, mortality, in uh, racial ethnic minority groups.
0: And and Dr. Nam, in terms of working toward, we're going to Dive in into the the study that you're involved with, and how people can can be involved because your your the litany and the descriptive and the delineation is just so so impressive. Uh, uh. But, but we're going to say that we're just not here to, to 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 bemoan the fact, but but there's some proactive steps that we can take individually, and then you're, again in terms of your study. But but Reverend Clayton and Reverend Perry, just uh, Dr. Nam, as she was speaking there, I, that that. You you mentioned enough for like five more shows, Doctor Nam, for us to just, for us to discuss. Just just in terms of that, I I wonder, Reverend Perry, whether you, any, any immediate thoughts came to your mind before we asked Doctor Nam to more delineate her her study and how people can get involved, and Reverend Clayton as well. Reverend Perry,
1: thank you, Doctor Nam. Thank you, Tom. I think that. Uh, In order for us to move forward with this whole study, I think it's so important, and and I think you made mention of this, is to look at the cultural and historical uh, background to the disparity that has led so many underserved, underprivileged minorities um, to um, find themselves in this situation. Mm. Uh, I tell you, uh, coming up, uh, we were not Uh, privy to these kind of statistics, number one. And I think that's important that we get the, that we have the facts. So share the facts with the community. But when we were coming up, Tom, as you know, uh, we didn't even know what diabetes was. We heard the word sugar and we associated that the more sugar, the more possibilities that you would get diabetes. But our many in our generation never got diabetes because of our lifestyle. Uh, and by that I mean we were we weren't couch potatoes. We were always busy. We were at the park. We were always outside playing tag, playing baseball, playing basketball. But this this new culture and this new generation that we're in now, they all these things are basically absent. <laughs> Everything is done from a sitting position with an iPad or an iPhone. So I think culturally and historically, that's one way we, we need to like, you know, at least backtrack to where we've come from, to where we are now. And I think getting the word out and having studies such as this can um, help us to manage and maybe even in some cases prevent diabetes. You know, I'm Dr. Nam, I'm so interested because every day I watch television and there's something on there about oscemic, or some of these other drugs for diabetes Mm that people are losing weight. And then there's concern that these drugs really are an artificial form and may have some side effects later on. The more natural way, the way we really wanna do this is through diet and exercise and um, eating properly. So we haven't, this is is good news for us. And this study can help us and generations yet unborn um, stay off mm-hmm. the, uh, this 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 disease now that has plagued us.
0: Indeed, Reverend Clayton, any thoughts again? And then we'll, we'll Dr. Nam will come back to give you, give you a chance to kind of share about the, the exciting study as Reverend Perry has referenced. Reverend Clayton, good to see you. <laughs> we can't
3: hear you, ta- uh, Clayton. Thank you, Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Doctor Nam. Um, it, it seems to be that uh, the big thing today is, in, in so many areas of of ailments and sicknesses, mm. is is nutrition and health, mm. nutrition, health, exercise, and and I don't know if we can preach it enough. Mm. I, I noticed during the summer, we had a vacation Bible school for multiple ages. And we had a, a section or time of day for uh, the, the children to go out and, and play sports. Mm. Or, you know, we're down here in Bristol, we're not that far from the beach, walk down to the beach. Mm-hmm. And you had to do something to get, them away from the iphones and ipads and and even now in the senior citizens uh Mm. how they have time for from chair exercise to line dance Mm -hmm. so so, uh, the 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 thought or or the the message in order to prevent this or keep it under control one of the ways is to make sure that we eat better and that we do some form of exercise uh, weekly. I even started a new regimen, uh, pickleball. Ah. <laughs> and and uh, the only thing wrong with pickleball, if if those whom you play with don't show up, then you lose your day. So I may have <laughs> to find another sport to, to, to deal with my desire of defeating people <laughs> <laughs> in some kind of activity.
0: <laughs> right. Do, Dr. Nam, let, let's pass the pass mic to you. Uh, tell us about the study and, and this word, this this phrase glucose variability and how people can kind of participate. We're really excited Sh- share with us, please.
2: Sure. Um, so uh, I can share with why I'm so drawn to this study. Um, you no. Know, Uh, I've been conducting diabetes research for over 15 years, and you may hear about the hemoglobin A1C uh, when you get blood work done uh, from doctor's office. And the hemoglobin A1C is the the marker of the uh, average blood glucose level over the the previous two to three months. So it is uh, the primary metrics uh, used to predict diabetes complication. So however, the study shows that near normal people, even though they keep the near normal hemoglobin hemoglobin A1C level, that did not consistently improve cardiovascular disease outcome oh. in a person with a type 2 diabetes. So individuals with a similar hemoglobin A1C value uh, can have a remarkably different glucose profile. So for example, the person with um, 200 high blood sugar and 60 low blood sugar and repeatedly up and down, up and down over the past two to three months versus another person with a stable 126, they both can have hemoglobin A1C 6%, which is a good control um, because the hemoglobin A1C level is the average measure. Mm -hmm. But drawing uh, the body of evidence suggests that the repeated the glycemic oscillation, like a fluctuation, increase the level of uh, inflammatory cytokine, and that induced all the endothelial dysfunction in individual with mm. diabetes, and that actual link to cardiovascular complications. Mm. So now we have a technology, unfortunately, to measure glucose level every 15 minutes, uh, without poking our fingers. Uh, that is the continuous glucose monitoring. We call the CGM. But then, um, what I found is insurance coverage and the qualification for um, CGM use for type two diabetes still varies by payer. Um, Living low income individual on Medicaid without coverage, so um, I look it up, and as of two thousand twenty three, only fourteen states uh, fully cover CGM for Medicaid patient, in- including Connecticut. We cover all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe the evidence to support the potential the benefit of CGM use uh, by you know examining who would benefit from CGM in diabetes outcome is necessary and also learning about the relationship between lifestyle and glucose is very mm-hmm. powerful to improve diabetes outcome. So my study will uh, address those issues
0: but, but Dr Norm so so walk us through help us to visualize. We're blessed to have the, to have a, a significant audience for this show. So someone could be listening and might want to even get involved right now before we even uh, conclude for another thirty or forty minutes. So help us to walk through. Someone's listening; they want to be involved. How do they sign up? Uh, is it is there something that they have to wear? What's the, what's the process? Uh,
2: sure. So uh, the participants uh, will um, at the baseline baseline will send uh, a survey link to their email and they can um, complete the survey on their convenience. They can stop you know, one survey, they can do one survey and then stop and then do it finished. They can resume next day, so they're on all their pace. Then um, after they complete their survey, by the way, the survey is about their demographic and their uh, lifestyle behaviors and their stress- stressful event and other neighborhood environment survey. Then once they finished and we'll see them in person and mm-hmm. we implant continuous glucose monitoring uh, sensor under their arm. So it use uh, it is looks like a stamp, so we kind of pump the stamp to their upper arm and we use a Libre freestyle and, and then ask them to leave it for 14 days. It is mm-hmm. waterproof. And no, uh, they can wear during the showers or swimming and they don't have to do any pay attention to anything. They just, once we implant, they just stay for at least 10 to 14 days. And then uh, they receive the short survey about their lifestyle uh, through their mobile app. So we'll provide a free mobile app and they respond to the daily survey. And um, also they wear the like uh, actigraphy watch so to measure their sleep and physical activity for 14 days. And then we have two uh, Zoom interview for their dietary. Takes. Mm. That is, mm. the, it's more uh, like a 14 days observational study, uh, but active part of the study is the, the online survey at the beginning and then daily uh, mobile app survey.
0: And if so, do you wear it while you're sleeping? I, again, I guess want to. Just let people know the pros and cons. You mentioned you, you can take a shower in but does does a person wear it while they're while they're resting as well?
2: Yes, yes, because we want to know uh, both resting time and sleep and physical activity. So we encourage them to uh, wear it for twenty four hour, but you can certainly take off during the shower.
0: Okay, Re- Reverend Perry, jump in because about ten questions came to mind, as well as sharing <laughs> with Reverend sharing with Reverend Clayton the the two racquetball uh, two. Uh, uh, pickleball rackets that I have, but we'll discuss that offline. But Reverend Perry?
1: Yes, I I think that Dr. Nam also um, had some restrictions with regards to the eligibility of those who were in the study. You want to talk about that?
2: Absolutely. So uh, anybody uh, with uh, type 2 diabetes, they can uh, participate. Um, No, initially we set the age limit between 40 and 70, but we are working on expanding that uh, age limitation from 18 to 80 years old because we have many community members reach out to us and they want to participate and we believe (laughs) they can uh, follow the study protocol very easily. Uh, no, some of them, no, in the, initially we thought, oh, uh, maybe people with the uh, old generation, older generation, they may not familiar with all the mobile app and mm. use smartphone, but we found out that was wrong. <laughs> so we'll expand the age limitation. So that is, uh, the inclusion, uh, criteria. And then we are not inviting, uh, women, pregnant women, uh, or, um, somebody who are actively treat, uh, receiving treatment for, Terminal cancer, or schizophrenia, or some some uh, person who stay up night because of their work schedule. Uh, so those people, unfortunately, is not uh, will be, will not be invited to this study.
0: And, and Dr. Nam, how does how do folks kind of you know reach out, contact you, get a, get more information? We really want to kind of pump this up, so to speak. This is really exciting.
2: Thank you. So um, yeah, so I can share the. Uh, the study flyer with a cultural ambassador group. And also we have a Facebook page here, so I can share the link. Perfect,
0: Perfect. P- appreciate that. Reverend Clayton?
3: Yes, um, Dr. Nam, what happens uh, if the patch for some reason falls off? Will the people continue to be able to stay in the study or can you reapply it or it have to be on a certain amount of days in order for you to get the data that you need
2: that's a great question so we ha- it happened actually several times uh, the libre freestyle is supposed to stay for 14 days but sometimes we have a participant uh, reported to us and it falls off at uh 10th day or ninth day sometimes third day so if anybody can stay uh you no know, maintain the the continuous glucose monitoring for at least to ten days, uh, uh, they can they can complete the study. Uh, we we call the completion of a study, and if somebody um, has some issue that falling off earlier than ten days, and we are going to reimplant that um, CGM. So the we figure out why that fall off sometimes, and that you know, bump into some some doors or, um, you no. Know, somehow they have a lot of hairs in their arms, so that doesn't stick that much. So we just wanna make sure to find a good location and um, secure with other extra Band-Aid.
0: And and is there a a monetary kind of compensation or kind of a way of of expressing your appreciation for people to participate?
2: Absolutely. So um, so baseline survey, once they uh, complete the uh, online survey, we pay $30 at the baseline. Then uh, next to 14 days, uh, they keep the continuous glucose monitoring and continue to wear the the watch. They just simply just wear it. Uh, they don't have to charge any watch. And uh, then they they uh, respond to our daily short survey, which takes about one to two minutes, uh, but four times a day. Then uh, at the end of the study, they receive additional $170, so a total would be $200. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Reverend Perry, I see you're typically taking notes, which I really love, so so, so jump in if you would.
1: I'm just I'm just amazed, and I you know, like every time I hear you, I, another question comes to mind. Do they get mm-hmm. to the, the watch? Do they get to um, get the results of the study? Uh, is there a follow-up for individuals who who in the study uh, exemplify possible heart or cardiac uh, later on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, symptoms that that may need attention right away? So how, how are they helped? I mean, I see us getting the data, but now how do we take the data that we get and also help the people who participate in the study? Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you for that question. So um, you no, know, as soon as they complete the study, we share all the data with the participant. So for example, each participant will receive the, uh, their glucose pattern data and the sleep, physical activity patterns and diet uh, composition and mealtime data with interpretation, which is what exactly, uh, what this exactly means. So all the data are timestamped. So participants can even review the link between their lifestyle and glucose levels. For mm-hmm. example, whether yesterday I slept for only five hours, is this related to my following days eating, physical activity and glucose level, they can actually capture those things. And uh, also, they see, uh, importantly, they can see that the amount of time um, they spend in target uh, blood glucose ranges, which is about between 70 and 180. So far, um, our participants who complete the study, they appreciate the result. And uh, also, some of them never experienced uh, wearing the uh, CGM. Uh, That was a very good learning opportunity for them.
1: Um, I guess just, just a, a little follow-up on this. The study is for 14 days or how long is the total time? It's 14 days. It's 14 days. And they come in once? They have to come in one time to get yeah, the Yeah, so
2: we met we meet them at the baseline to implant the um, CGM. And then we will meet again uh, 14 days after so, uh, so that we can take off the, uh, the CGM and then uh, provide the payment. How
1: important? I'm sorry. Go, tell me just one
0: no, more. no. Go ahead, Reverend Perry. Please.
1: It, you know, I'm I'm not a uh, all of my life. I don't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> okay, I go to bed at one. I get up at four or five, six sometimes, and it never. It's always between that hour. How important is sleep uh, in in your study or just in general? Because it seems like everybody has a different understanding it. Some people say it depends on your body, depends on what you do. Uh, So in this study, why is sleep Mm -hmm. monitored because of what importance does it have with diabetes?
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. So now people, most of people understand about the role of physical activity and um, the diet, but sleep actually is becoming more, uh, like I would say, more emerging lifestyle factors and contributing to obesity and type 2 diabetes and some like mental health like depression. So, uh, we believe that, uh, sleep, when you just, you can imagine a lack of sleep. No, you're not just for, um, no, feel very tired at the next day. Um, no, we also, our body increase the, uh, appetite hormone. So you tend to eat more, uh, intake, consume more, consume more high in, high calorie intake. Um, also, that, that that contribute to obesity and uh, also sleep is interact with other healthy behavior like eating, again, eating and the physical activity, but you're not going to have a lot of exercise or you tend to more sedentary after your lack of sleep, so there is like interaction. Interrelationship between with other um, healthy behavior and the mood, and also uh, physically, uh, you release more um, the obesity um, favoring hormone to the body.
0: That's really important. And and Doctor Nong, just as as Reverend Perry just shared, because people's sleep cycles differ, uh, what's the what's the impact of that? So if Reverend Perry had the had the monitor on what would he want to be concerned about it or con- or not concerned about in terms of his sleep cycle
2: so uh for this study uh we include all the people except for someone who need to stay at night because of their work duty um, other than that they do the same thing uh, because we want to understand Uh, Whether that's sleep deprivation or it cannot go to go to bed, uh, bed bedtime, like at 12 o'clock at least uh, is from their uh, other issue rather than uh, external issue like a job job, uh, obligation. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, anybody who can, who have opportunity to sleep at night, then they can participate and do the same study protocol.
0: Excellent, excellent. We, we hear so much Dr. Nam about, about digital health and certainly it seems to me that this is a way for folks in, in the future, our phones will kind of give us information. There, there are already things you can wear about your heart rate and monitor. Are you excited about this study that you think this helps? because I'm trying to spit out the the fact of the 60% that you mentioned at the top of the show uh, and how we just can't be late to the, to, to the party if, if we're really being if we're being affected in a very negative way, uh, with 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 hyper with a, uh, I won't call it a plague, but but to have to have diabetes so rampant and raging throughout the community, uh, it's really an imperative. And I don't want to put words in your mouth for us to make sure that that marginalized communities can take take advantage of of whatever new taking ownership of your health methodologies might be might be underway. Any any thoughts in that regard?
2: So yeah, so I definitely I'm um, very excited to have this opportunity to working with uh, the community because the finding of uh, type two diabetes can have some several significant benefit for the community. No, um, no, this kind of study can uh, improve the guide to future personalized tailored intervention mm-hmm. because it can identify the specific risk factor. And the lifestyle factor that contribute to development of type two diabetes and progression of diabetes in different population, um, that we can actually develop more tailored to the need of racial and ethnic minority, um, potentially improving outcome. And also, uh, again, um, research finding can inform the healthcare policies and practice, you know, leading to uh, improve access to healthcare services for the racial ethnic minorities. Um, no which can include um healthcare programs and educational resources and improved insurance coverage mm-hmm. and uh, some development of policies that address social determinants of health um, again also you no know, raising this public awareness of type 2 diabetes uh, within the community um, can be helpful for prevent diabetes and um, no, community empowerment is another thing, the big thing the sharing to find yes. Yes. the community can empower the people to take control of their health and um, also we can uh, help to you know the proactive health seeking behaviors and the early detections and you know, adherence to the treatment plans. And
0: Reverend Perry, you mentioned the term precision medicine often in previous shows, so it seems to me this is right right along that line.
2: Mm -hmm. I think
1: all of this feeds into that same bank of information that is so vital to uh, prosperity or posterity because if we have this information, then we'll know what to look for. We we won't be undiagnosed nor uh, non-treated. And one of the things that I wanna say to you is that in New York, I've had many many members of my congregation and older members who had diabetes. And what happens to them is just, it's unconscionable. First, first you you hear they have it and you think that everything's all right. Then the next thing you know, they're taken off a toe, a foot, a leg, and and then they're in a wheelchair and then they're in a nursing home i mean we really need we i mean this is this is so relevant and pertinent to where we are and we really need to push this because those people who are being cut up are mostly black people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and these are people who have probably been not getting the proper access to care or dealing with doctors with implied bias and so they just let these things gravitate to a point where it, it becomes horrendous. So this is why, you know, I really wanna be a part of this study because I'm trying to prevent something that I've seen mm-hmm. that, is, that is that is damnable in, in, in healthcare and in our community because of lack of access, implied bias, institutional racism. So for this program, for this project to be presented to us, it gives us a mandate that we we need foot soldiers out and we need to get people involved in this as soon as possible.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do- Dr. Nam, what's, what's your target goal in terms of, and Reverend Perry, I really appreciate you sharing that. Dr. Nam, the, your, uh, your desired enrollment rate, is, is, is the study going to uh, for another year? What's the duration and, and how many folks are you looking to recruit? Sure,
2: so, uh, we start the study uh, early this year and our um, target goal is to recruit 200 people from a community.
0: And over the course of what time? Over the next uh, year? until,
2: until two thousand twenty-five December.
0: Okay, so we we, we so yeah, we have, we we have our marching orders in front of us, Re- Reverend Clayton. And as we kind of have another t- ten or so minutes to kind of wind down.
1: Well, he's playing the guitar. That's why you can't hear music. <laughs>
2: I want to uh, say one more thing, actually, uh, if that is okay.
0: Please, Reverend. I mean, uh, Doctor uh, Nan, please.
2: No. Um, oftentimes, I when I say this, so it's well received from uh, Black community because, um, you no, know, we. I work with the Black men many many times, and they sometimes they are put their own health aside because they have so many uh, competing life demands. But when I say this and they actually get it and they actually work uh, for the preventing diabetes and um, adopting healthy behavior. So I would say that the generational impact of the type two diabetes, uh, there is such intergenerational consequences of type two diabetes. For example, individual with a family history of type two diabetes, uh, I mentioned that is a first degree uh, relatives that have a high risk for developing the condition and uh, the certain genetic factor that influence insulin resistance and also uh, family often share their similar lifestyle including dietary habit, physical activity level. Uh, Those are unhealthy lifestyle choices like such as the, the diet and high processed food, sugar combined with physical inactivity, um these habits ha- are passed down from one generation to the next. COVID mm. mm. diabetes can be perpetuated. So I'm kind of motivated to uh, this is not just for your health, it's for whole family um, the health and the, um, the intergenerational impact in it.
0: Quite well taken, absolutely. Re- Reverend Clayton. Dr. Nam, you
3: you you hit hit a point here. And uh, I need to ask, uh, I guess, another question or two. First of all, there is a young gentleman, well, he's maybe 50 now, who was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and he went through a battery of tests, had some complications, went to the hospital, and they were going to amputate uh, some toes, and then he went to got a second opinion, and they decided to do something different to to save the toes. It, it is this common that that one can actually miss uh, something as serious for moving toes or a foot, and, and someone else can say, I think we can save it by doing something different.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think that is a um, very challenging uh, situation if you have a, a different opinion from two different uh, providers. And um, I don't have the specific answer to this. Uh, that I don't know about that specific context. But uh, uh, making like, informed decision is the, one of the most challenging thing and in the, uh, no, this, uh, dealing with uh, no, type 2 diabetes or any other chronic illnesses. And um, I would have like more genuine conversation with uh, providers, and uh, bring a lot of question to each provider. I got this information from his. What do you think about it? And so you understand. You you want to make sure that you understand the context and then the risk and benefit. Um, then um, you, as you or as a family member, hold together, uh, make a a wise decision. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. To take ownership of your health, everyone. We have about five more minutes. So, as things cross your mind, please let, let's jump in as as the spirit moves you, so to speak. Yeah, I, I
3: think- have I have a, a good news report that uh one of my members shared with me uh, last Wednesday. Uh She was she she was diagnosed with type two diabetes, and she had to give herself uh, the insulin shot, and she. She hated it, and she told the doctor that she was gonna really work hard at, at changing this. And they were telling her that she couldn't do it. But when she went back for her next physical, um, they were amazed at that, that how well she did. I mean, she went cold, she cleaned out. She said, I cleaned out my pantry, my refrigerator, everything that was not healthy, and she ate a lot of, of fruits and vegetables. Drink a lot of water, and and eventually they took. She didn't. Now she's still taking some form of pill, Mm -hmm. but she's not taking the shot anymore. Mm -hmm. So that diet and she and she walks every day. Mm -hmm. So so diet and exercise uh, is is major
0: Mm -hmm.
3: in 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 helping people control this sickness. Mm
0: Reverend Perry?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, many people who have already been diagnosed with type 2 or on the border, the good thing for them is they've already been diagnosed. They're at least getting treatment. The people who may have diabetes in their family, but they are untreated and undiagnosed, those are the ones that I think we should be really concerned about. Mm -hmm. And, and And I also think that what Reverend Clayton said if we look at it in the in the proper perspective everybody who, who in terms of taking charge of their health and situations where it becomes the question of whether or not you should amputate or not should have not one but two maybe even three different doctors at you know second third opinions because mm-hmm. you know I, every time i've seen it happen it never ends there it always continues until it till death comes and it's it's just Difficult because once they start amputating, you're not walking, you're not moving now, and your activities have slowed down. So it's important that we we, we catch this early and mm-hmm. treat it early and manage it early. And I think that one of the ways, uh, the most healthy way, it seems to me, is to be active. One doctor mm-hmm. told me when I told him I had arthritis, he said, boy, just keep moving. And mm-hmm. As long <laughs> as you're moving, you can, your body will adjust and, and you can handle it. It's when you are sedentary and you stop moving that really you see things catch up on you. And then when they get to a point where, where they have um, consumed you, it's almost like you're done for. So I, I think, you know, us, us taking charge of our health and as we said, taking charge of our health and this is a family affair, mm-hmm. I think if we keep those two mantras in mind, I think we can be very successful in the fight against diabetes.
0: Excellent, excellent, Dr. Nam I want to give you the give you the last word, and uh, uh, you know, take two or three minutes because you you've just your opening remarks was a, a thesis and in a in and in a book about issues we need to need to address. I really appreciate your laying out the the the, the gestalt, the context. Of everything that we're working with, but I want to guess whatever's on your heart and mind as we as we kind of conclude. I want to give you another two two minutes or so to kind of share as we as we conclude the, conclude the, this particular show.
2: So um, again, uh, I I think I spoke uh, many times about the prevention and health the importance of lifestyle modification. So I hope the study can uh, to raise the um, the awareness of type two diabetes and the community. And also, um, no people can have uh, more informed decision as a a, no manage your chronic illnesses. And also, people um, tend to blame for the once they have diagnosis, and they people talk people just tend to blame uh, like oh I. Should have done this and done this, and then it's not always that is the case. Uh, there is uh, again social and uh, built environment factor and playing a role. So, so I have this city uh, finding can have some potential to drive some positive change at uh, various level, not just from the individual health outcome, but to a uh, broad social impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with a specific focus on addressing the unique needs and challenges faced by racial and ethnic minority uh, communities.
0: And uh, Dr. Not I'm sorry, Dr. Reverend Perry, please.
1: I, I tried to sign into your note in the chat and it will not let me. Is there something um, that we should do? It says it needs a number or something in order to access.
2: So do you mean the, chat, the, the link, Facebook page link in the chat box? Yeah. Do you have a Facebook account? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what doesn't, why it does it not work.
1: So let us know the mobile number belongs to you, Facebook, enter the code in the to the 914, I, I don't, know.
2: I, I don't I'll, know. I'll figure it out, I'll reach out to you again.
0: <laughs> and then you'll, you'll, you'll be sure to send us the flyer and, and the contact information. Yeah,
1: yeah send
2: mm-hmm. the flyer to
1: Jackie and, and so we can send it out to all of the ambassadors and Tom, you could use it on your on your site as well? Um, Absolutely.
0: We, we'll, we'll post it widely on all the various social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, Apple, et cetera, Facebook. Uh, we have 30, 30 more seconds, Dr. Nam. I want to kind of keep on leaning on you because I guess appreciate when you speak, there's so much information that comes out of your Comes out of your your body. Uh, where, where are you from? An optimistic standpoint. Uh, we, and Harry's t- 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 station manager, told me to say bye. But before I say <laughs> bye, I want to give you give you two more seconds, Doctor Nam. Are you there, Doctor Nam? Oh, can you hear
2: me? Um, well, can you hear it again? I, I I'm,
0: I'm sorry. Harry, Harry has Harry has. I uh, closed the door on us. We'll have to do another show, Doctor. nom a part two. As I got another, yeah, part another two. for y'all to listen. I'm never going on my Thank mission. you everybody I'm what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the voiding myself and feeling was missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing but you're gonna be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Hate it swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm
1: never gonna give up, give up, fall down. I just gotta